Hello, everybody. Welcome to Money School. Just getting myself configured here, get my speakers going correctly. Get my Q&A. Oh, I raised my own hand. That's funny. I get my chat window open. And my participants window is open. And I'm so glad you're here. I cannot believe it's already week six of money school. It's kind of flown by and it's been so fun. So what are we doing today? Today we're talking about relationships and, you know, there are so many people doing such good work on relationships in general. And all I can really do, do today is offer what I think is a perspective on relationships as it touches as, as in the areas where money touches. Uh, in an email the other night, I told you that most of the time when people are asking me what they think are money questions, they're actually asking me relationship questions and specifically about points of disagreement with the person that they're in a relationship with. So you'll be hearing me say some of that today. And when I invite some of you on screen today, I want you to feel free to share whatever's on your mind, ask whatever question you have. You don't need to edit yourself or or wonder whether or not you're asking a good question. That's not your job. Um, we just might discover as we get into it that we're really not talking about the money. We might be talking about the relationship. And that's great. There's nothing at all wrong with that. Um, so yeah, let's, let's jump in and let me share my screen. And then we will talk. And I didn't send out a survey for live coaching this week. Uh, so if you're a person who wants to talk about relationship-related money topics, have your question in mind. And when I ask, please raise your hand and we will, we will chat. So I've lost my Zoom window. There we go. Let me share my screen. Okay. Let's talk about what I think and I want to emphasize, these really are my opinions. This is, relationships are probably the time where I've spent the least, the, the topic where I've spent the least time and the least energy as it relates to money. So what I'm sharing with you today are my thoughts and opinions. And I want you to know that I'm ready to have you push back and say, I don't know if that's true. Or I don't know if that applies because this is definitely not the last time I'm going to be teaching this class and I want it to get better. So when you see opportunities to disagree, please disagree. But let me give you some thoughts on what you'll find in a happy financial relationship. Number one, each person in the relationship knows exactly what they want to consume. Now, the reason I put relationships at the end of money school is because everything else we've done in money school so far sets you up to have a healthy relationship or have, have money be a healthy thing within your relationship. So in the second class, we talked about studying your expenses and learning about your true values through a study of your expenses. That brought you to this moment so that you can be healthy in your relationship with your partner by saying, I know exactly what I want to consume. And that's big things like, I know what kind of house I want to live in. I know what kind of vacations I want to take. I know what I want to define as retirement. And I know what retirement will, what I want it to look like. You know what you want to consume if you're going to be a healthy partner in a, a healthy financial partner in a relationship. Each person in the relationship also knows why they want to consume. 
So you haven't just identified, well, these are the things I like to purchase. These are the things I like to experience. I know why. I've done the work of understanding what's motivating me. I know where I'm motivated by love and enthusiasm in my consumption. I know where I'm motivated by fear in my consumption. I've acknowledged all of it. I'm clear on my motivations for my consumption. And that's what I'm bringing into financial discussions with my spouse or with my partner. I know my what and I know my why. By the way, I think that much or most of the conflict that relates to money that happens in a relationship starts with the fact that we're not very good at articulating what we want and why we want it. I include myself in this group. I would say it's just within the last couple of years where I have finally felt, I don't know what the word is, confident enough or safe enough, not safe enough with my wife. I've always felt safe with my wife, but confident enough and safe enough to say, no, actually, this is exactly what I want, and this is exactly why I want it. I think it's the most important work we do in our relationships is getting clear on our own desires and our motivations, because then we can go into discussions with our partner and say, this is exactly what I want, and this is exactly why I want it. We're not just aware of it now, we're actually sharing it with the other partner. To me, this is kind of where the rubber hits the road. Being able to tell the other person the unvarnished, unqualified truth about what you want and why you want it. Now, in case anybody's unclear about this, I'm not, I'm not trying to frame this as something selfish or self-serving. This isn't about taking your relationship and making it about me, 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 and what I want. It's about honesty. It's about introspection and honesty and then openness. The alternative being operating with low self-awareness, maybe feeling deprived, maybe feeling resentful, maybe having some anger or blame that you direct at your, at your spouse or your partner that starts with the fact that you weren't willing or haven't been willing to deeply understand what you want and why you want it. Once you get there, then you openly share that with, with your partner and the two of you are able to then deal with each other's desires and motivations. Now, to me, what I have on the screen right now is what I, what I think is uh, maybe sort of the pinnacle. It's what I aspire to in my relationship. I can't even say with certainty whether I'm there already with Kate, with our marriage. But my dream scenario in a partnership is that the couple happily pursues each other's what because they embrace each other's why. I'm putting this on the screen right now. I'm holding this out as an idea that I want to run directly against the idea of compromise. Now, I'm, I wanna choose my words here because I, I, I can't claim to be totally opposed to the, the concept of compromise. But if I have a negative association with that word, it's because I view the idea of compromise as neither person getting quite what they want and one or both of them being residually upset about it. What I hope to have in my relationship with Kate, for example, is that she and I are both totally clear on what the other person wants and why the other person wants it. And then as we, as we discover that and work toward that together, 
we're able to pursue each other's desires. In other words, we're basically able to adopt each other's desires. Not because I necessarily want exactly the same things as Kate for the same reasons she wants them, but because I, I'm able to want them because she wants them. And I'm able to be excited about her motivations because they're her motivations. And again, I'll say this is a very fresh idea in my mind. I think it needs to be fleshed out. I think it needs to be challenged. But if, I, if I'm describing an ideal scenario for myself, it's that I am so clear on my own desires and so clear on Kate's desires that we're both able to pursue each other's desires just because that feels great to us. It doesn't feel competitive. It doesn't feel like there's conflict that has to be resolved through compromise. It feels like we deeply understand each other's desires and we're able to cheer each other on in those desires. So I wanna pause here. And I just wanna chat with um, any of you, any of you who have heard any of that. And uh, okay, I don't, I don't, I'm afraid I'm going to mispronounce your name, but it's either Cash, Kaish, or Cash. But you're coming on screen, so let me promote you to a panelist and then change my panelist settings and allow you to start videos. And hello, hi. Will you help me pronounce your name? It's Cash. I love it. Thanks. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. What, what's on your mind? Um, I feel like. I raised my hand because I had like two questions. First of all is I feel like I really resonate with this and understand like, yes, it's so important that you get clear with like your desires and what you want. But I think the thing that I struggle with is like, how, how do I figure that out about myself? And like, I don't know, I guess that's. How do you figure out what you deeply care about and want to pursue? Yeah. My, my opinion is that you do that by running small experiments and maybe sometimes big experiments. But maybe the reason I'm saying small experiments is because if we're talking about consumption, for example, let's, let's say, um, you know, let's say you have the idea, like, I think I'm a person who loves to travel and I want a lot of travel in my life. You can run an experiment with that by planning a trip that costs an amount of money that doesn't sort of wreck you financially, whatever wreck you financially even means, doesn't feel like it's too big of an expense. Mm -hmm. And then you can evaluate whether you loved it. And if you loved it, you can say, actually, my instinct was right. I do love travel. I want more of it. So that's going to be, especially if I'm in a, in a relationship, I'm going to honestly share with my partner. I know I want to travel. I want to travel this much. And I know exactly why I want to travel because I've okay. done my experiments and I've, I've experienced it enough to know what really the exciting parts of that for me. Helpful. And then I guess my other part is I, I feel like thankfully my husband and I, we don't really disagree a lot about money. Mm -hmm. um, but I do find my relationships with like my friends and like my family hmm. um, that I, I'm like comparing myself in regards to like money and making, having it or not having it mean something. And so I guess, how do I, I guess, work on that? Cause I don't particularly like that. 
Can you tell me, could you give me an example of what you're calling a comparison? Sure. Um, so my husband's in med school and um, we have other friends here and just, I guess, the way that we've chose to pay for med school versus the way that they have. I feel like I do a lot of comparison, like, oh, well, maybe we did it wrong and like they're doing it right. And we took out more debt and maybe we shouldn't have. And I, I liked, I felt fine about it when we like made the decision, but then like hearing what other people do, then I'm like, oh, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a great experience to have, Keish, because what you'll find is that you can have that same set of thoughts and feelings about kind of every area of life, this sort of driving idea of maybe I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the resolution to maybe I'm doing it wrong is not to do it differently, although that may be an outcome from the introspection that you do. The resolution to maybe I'm doing it wrong is to go back into your, your, your thoughts and your feelings, like your, your motivations. What was my motive? What was our, you and your husband seem like you were very united in this approach. What was our set of factors that we used to make the decision to do medical school the way we did medical school? Do those still resonate as true and good? If they do, then that's the answer. If they don't, it's not time to beat yourselves up and say, oh, we were so terrible. It's time to say, oh, interesting. We were operating with a certain set of beliefs and expectations, and those didn't actually play out the way we expected. So the next time we're in a similar sized decision, we can check back and say, well, the last time these were our driving kind of um, factors, and we ended up not liking those. So maybe let's spend some time figuring out what what our, what better driving factors would be for us. As far as other people goes, it's interesting to use the word comparison because I'm a, I'm a math nerd. And so in math comparison means literally that there's like a, there's, there's a difference between two numbers, like three is greater than two. That's a comparison kind of operation. Mm-hmm. Whenever people talk to me about comparison and personal finances, especially, I usually don't uncover a mathematical comparison. What I uncover is an observation of someone else's consumption and then criticism of self. Mm. And that's not actually comparison. It's observing and then criticizing. That's really good. <laughs> and that's what I sort of say, if that's what's happening, I'm not a huge fan. I don't, I don't really love to see people criticize themselves. So when people say comparison is the thief of joy, I'm like, ah, I know that's catchy, but the more precise statement for me is like unexamined self-criticism is the thief of joy. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's true. Thanks for coming on screen. It's fun to meet you and chat with you. Thanks. All right. Who else would... Who else would join me? Uh, okay, Christine, I don't think we've talked before. Corolla, I see you. I wanna chat with you because we're buddies. I'm gonna chat with Christine for a second here because I don't think I have before. Thank you.
I think you're here, but I don't see or hear you yet. There you are. Okay, you're, you're muted. Sorry, Mark, I must have done it by mistake. Oh, raised your hand by mistake? Okay, sorry about that. No worries, Bye -bye. enjoy your walk. You seem to be out for a walk in a beautiful sunny day, enjoy it. Okay. Okay, Mackenzie, your hand is up. Keep it up if you want to chat. Perfect. Okay. Hi. Wasn't Hi. planning on doing this, but. <laughs> but you did it, and I'm glad. What's I up? did. So, um, probably one of the biggest things that we struggle with in my marriage, talking about marriage is the way that I decide to spend our money. Well, first of all, the way I see money is just movable kind of in boxes. Like I can move it around here and I can move it around here. Mm -hmm. And my husband likes to slowly work our way towards things. Okay. So I've been known to like, want to go on a vacation. So I'll just sell something so we can go on a vacation <laughs> or move money around. Um, we both have similar priorities in that we value traveling. Um, we value education for us and our kids. It's just the way that we get there is different and it causes problems. So this is interesting because we're kind of going a level more, sort of a level deeper on in the conversation of what I want and why I want it. Yeah. You both know that you want travel, for example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in this case, there's something else that you both want. Your husband wants travel a certain way and you want travel a, sometimes a different way. Okay. Yeah. So, so he wants, and you, you fill in for me because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reaching here, but he wants, he wants travel, but he wants to have saved X dollars per month over a period of months until the balance arrives at a certain place. And then we use that to pay for travel. Yes. You want, Hey, I sold a car and we're going to Hawaii. <laughs> yes. Not quite that extreme, but that's pretty much. Yes. <laughs> okay. So what you both want is actually it's, it's the travel, but there's something before that. And he wants some sort of like linear approach and sort of predictability and you mm -hmm. want something that we probably call spontaneity and more of a, like a dynamic situation. Yes, it's, and it, it could be spontaneity, but it's, I just see money as less linear than he does. Yeah. And so I just find, oh, well, we have it over here. And if we want this, let's do this. Um, and that causes him some, almost like anxiety, like, well, we have a set place for everything. Um, as far as our money goes. And, and if we want something, we just need to get there just like one way, kind of so chugging along like a train. Would it, would it be fair to say that for your husband, once he's, once a dollar has received its label, like this dollar is labeled as vacation or this dollar is labeled as couch. He doesn't want to change that label. He likes it to stay 
Like, no, we already decided that money is for that. We're not going to rename it something else. Whereas you say, well, we gave it a label, but it's a sticky note. We can move that sticky note wherever we want. Yes, that's, that's a great way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> so there's something in there about what you both value and neither one of you is even a little bit wrong. The conflict is coming in the, the sort of undiscovered value of, for him, it might be sort of order and predictability, or maybe he, maybe you're both very aware of that with him. I don't know. And for you, it is something more like freedom, more of a dynamic situation, more of a, mm-hmm. more of a flexible situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe you value the ability to change easily and quickly, and he values not having lots of change or something? Yes, yes. And I guess you saying that, uh, you know, I think I'm like that in general in life and he's his way in general in life. So yes, that's definitely kind of our, our differences. They don't really make a big difference in, until it comes to money. <laughs> so that's what what's interesting is when the two of you have, if you were able to have like a very clear needs, um, not needs, because you know, I don't believe in needs, a very clear, like what I want and why I want it conversation. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, you would be talking about things that are tangible, like vacation and couches and cars. But what you would actually be talking about is I want flexibility. And I want, to, that's one of the ways I want to, exp- I want to use money to express my flexibility. And he's saying, I want to use money to express my stability. Okay. Yes. By the way, I am absolutely reaching as I say all these things. So I want you to push back and be like, no, I don't actually think that's it. Cause no, know. that's true. He's all about stability and I am all about all the things that we can do and finding ways to do them. So it doesn't, I mean, the fact that you can come on here and share this so openly and the, the way you're talking about him doesn't give me any indication that there's like, significant resentment or lots of fighting or anything in the relationship, which no, no, there's not. I totally get him. I know why he's the way he is. Yeah. So what I'm taking from that is that you two are actually very close to being able to, if we go back to what was on the previous slide to happily pursue each other's what's and each other's whys, because you both want to support that. And there is a way for you to happily pursue his definition, his definition of stability while happily pursuing your definition of flexibility. Okay. <laughs> you truly can have both. Mm-hmm. So does that look like us coming together in a conversation of, of brainstorming how we can fulfill that for each of each other? Exactly right. Okay. And not in a way that feels like compromise or giving in. Um, What seems relevant is a couple of weeks ago in class, we talked about redefining zero. Um, Meaning, and I don't know if you were here, if you heard that, but. Yeah. What I'm thinking about with you is we need to work with different definitions. And so in your life, we would take, um, we would take all the money that comes into your life, into your household. And we would earmark some of it for his definition of stability. And we would earmark some of it for your definition of flexibility. And then 
the goal is to have both of you decide that you're thrilled with those definitions. Okay. We can do that. Yeah. And it's not his versus mine. It's look what we did. We both, we both found a way to express our values in a way that we're both excited about mm-hmm. or it doesn't feel like a trade-off. It doesn't feel like a, I wouldn't hear you saying things like, well, not that you even are, but in a, in a less healthy relationship, it would sound something like, well, you know, I really love to sort of, I love to be dynamic in how I approach life, but he really holds me back. Okay. You know, and yeah. I'm not hearing you say that, but in a less healthy version of your relationship, you would, a person like you would say that he would also be able to say, you know, I'm practical and I'm, I really think about the future and I like to take care of things. And she's really a threat to our stability or to our safety that a less healthy relationship would have those kinds of words in it. I'm not hearing that from either of you. You can go the total opposite direction. We give this amount of money to his stability and we give that amount of money to my flexibility and we both feel fantastic. Yeah. So it's just building upon both of our strengths in those areas and saying that they're both okay. Totally. Totally. Okay. I think we're all okay. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I, I, I completely do. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on screen. So somebody in the chat said, how is it possible to have both flexibility and stability? It's a budgeting exercise. I know, I know the word budget is, is freak some people out. It feels restrictive, but I think I put this in an email the other night, maybe that I, I really like, I like budgeting as a verb, not as a noun. The verb of budgeting would sound something like Mackenzie and her husband saying, we, we both want to express our, this core value. And so as money comes into our life, we're going to take this amount of money and we're going to label it under the heading of stability. And Mackenzie's going to happily tell her husband, look, that's your stability pile. I'm not even touching it. I'm not going to even bring it up when I want to do things that are dynamic and flexible, because I know that that's, that's our stability money. And he's going to say, yes, and we have this amount of money that we've labeled as flexible. And when you want to do one of your things, one of your like, hey, I'm going to shuffle the money around in our life. You're going to shuffle money. You're just not going to touch my stability pile. And now we're both expressing exactly what we want to express and feeling great about it. Uh, Yes, that was, that was super helpful. Mackenzie, I appreciate you coming on screen and chatting with me. Um, let's go back to my slides. And then if you do want to chat, please keep hands up. How to move toward a happier or happy financial relationship. Number one is be kind. Now I'm not trying to be glib or like trite or smug or, or heaven forbid, like patronizing. Kindness is really sort of the foundation of, of what we're talking about here in our relationships, probably in general, but as, 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 we t- as those relationships touch money. And when I say be kind, I mean, assume good intentions in your, in your partner. Assume that they want what's best for you and that they want what's best for them. They want what's best for the partnership. If, if a partnership, if a marriage does not have that sort of kindness and those good assumptions as a baseline, 
there's probably nothing we can do with the money itself to fix anything. That, that kindness and compassion toward your partner is the foundation on which, like I really did feel with Mackenzie, like Mackenzie and her husband like each other. They get along. They're trying to sort out some, some nuts and bolts with how they both approach their money, but the kindness seems to be there as a baseline. You notice how, as Mackenzie was talking, I personally did not get any hint of criticism about her husband. I didn't. I didn't get any hint that she was like unhappy that she'd married this man who is this way. I didn't get any hint of that. That's what I'm talking about, the foundation of kindness. And that's what I'm hoping we'll aspire to. Next would be to tell the truth. I don't know that many of us think of ourselves as liars in our relationships. I would certainly never think of myself as a liar. But do I, have I always told the truth in my marriage to Kate? Not as it relates to what I want and why I want it. Like I said earlier, that's a relatively recently recent discovery in our marriage where I was finally able to say, this is, especially as it relates to the money, this is exactly what I want and this is exactly why I want it. So I haven't really been telling her a complete truth about those things. And she's also told me some similar things, you know, about exactly what she wants and exactly why she wants it. So we're trying to have more of that just total transparency with each other about what we want to consume and why we want to consume it. By the way, jobs are one of the things you consume, meaning the, the, the desire to have a certain job or not have a certain job, have a certain business or not have a certain business. These are things that you want and you have your motivations for wanting them. I wonder if we're telling our spouses the, the total truth about whether or not we want to consume this particular job and why we do or don't want to consume it. And then allowing our, our spouse to partner with us and deciding whether to keep it, whether to let it go, whether to change it. I hope we can tell each other the truth. I think it's part of a happy financial relationship. Now, this is a big one. And I don't know whether we'll be able to chat with anybody live on screen today um, about this. I would love it if we could. But if there's a parent-child dynamic in your relationship, as it relates to money, that's the part I can talk about. I can't really talk about anything else in your relationship. But if there's a parent-child dynamic in your relationship, you just have to stop it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be blunt. The way that I hear parent-child dynamics expressed in marriages in particular is, is when I hear spouses say things like, um, well, he's the one who makes the money, so I don't really have much to do with that. I, I don't agree that you don't have much to do with that. Um, Kate was employed with a W-2 probably just the first year of our marriage. We've been married 17 years. So from then on, my name was the name on the pay stub or the, or the LLC, all the, these businesses I've owned. But it was never that I was the one who, quote, made the money. Kate was a participant in every single step along the way. So it's not my money. This is a, to me, it's a really important distinction. 
it is not my money. It is our money. My name happens to be on the LLC or on the pay stub, but this is our money. So to me, this is, again, my opinion, a very unhealthy dynamic when we have either party, because I've got, you know, there's stay-at-home dads too. I've got stay-at-home dads in my neighborhood. Great guys, happy guys. It is not their wife's money that's being earned. It is the household income. And they as a couple have made a conscious decision as to who is going to have their name on a pay stub and who is not. But the money is their money. Kate's money and my money, it is our money. If you start with this dynamic of, well, he or she is the one who makes the money, so I kind of have to defer to that person, you end up in weird situations like, well, I want to do X, but he or she won't let me. What? Or, or he or she gives me a certain amount of money to spend every month, and sometimes I go over and he gets upset or she gets upset. So you're a kid? whose parent gives them an allowance? I don't understand. To me, there's two parts of this unhealthy dynamic. One is that either person considers themselves the boss or the parent in the relationship. And the other is that the other person agrees with them in some way and acts like it. So it's like your spouse can't act like your parent if you don't act like their child. I'm not saying you need to go fight about it because I don't want unnecessary contention in a relationship. What I want is to go all the way back up here and ask you if you have, if you are currently occupying what, what we might call the child in the relationship, I would ask you, are you very clear on what you want to consume? Are you very clear on why you want to consume it? One of the things you might want to consume, maybe it's your, your high priority right now that this thing that you're consuming is called being a stay-at-home parent who's prioritizing time with kids over having your name on a pay stub. Or maybe you're prioritizing some of your time with kids and some of your time on a pay stub with a smaller amount on it. But are you very clear on why you want that and and is your partner very clear on why both of you are choosing that? Because then you can have conversations around, yes, this is the choice we made together. We're happy with it. We like our reasons for having made this choice. So now all conversations about they're the one who makes the money. And then I sort of have to ask for permission to spend. That's all over because now you've both owned your decision to have the money come in the way it comes in. And it's your money together. I don't know, honestly, whether this is going to be controversial. I don't know whether this is going to come across wrong. I really would love to have anybody come on screen and either tell me I'm wrong or give me your thoughts. Because again, kind of fresh ideas in my mind. Um, Mason, I know we've never talked, so I'm going to bring Mason on screen. Oh, wait, maybe we have talked, Mason. Okay. Yeah, I think you're the, I think I know you, Mason. Please hold. You're still invited, by the way, Mason. I just, I, I want to chat with people I maybe haven't chatted with. Rachel, I don't know if we've talked before. And if we have, I'm going to be happy to talk to you again. So we're going to bring you on screen. Hi. Hi. Have we ever talked? No. Perfect. Nice to meet you. You too. 
what's up? Well, I kind of have two questions. Um, <clears throat> one is related to this topic and one is from an earlier class. Um, so I've been separated for three years now and the paperwork, he has started to do it. Um, but it's getting to the point where talks of money and figuring out our financial separation is happening. Mm -hmm. And we both have very different um, goals. I would say we both have a desire for freedom mm -hmm. um, where he doesn't want to be constrained and, and held accountable to a certain amount every month. Meanwhile, I need that <clears throat> stability in order to create the life I want and then be able to uh, get the freedom that way in my life. Um, so uh, for the most part, right now where we are in our relationship and how we interact is pretty good. Like I've been very impressed with how we've been able to handle it. And, um, you know, we're able to talk about heavy subjects and we're not yelling at each other or anything. Nice. Um, yeah. So, so it, we're getting there and the times that we've talked about financial things, it, it is still a trigger and a button. And while we handle it well, there's still a lot of emotion there. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm, I'm just not sure how to, I don't know. I mean, first of all, it's hard to just have that conversation anyway, but to be able to express our what and why to each other in a mm -hmm. way that makes sense and logistically can happen because although his intentions are good, his reliability is terrible. <laughs> so he wants me to trust him that he's going to, you know, give me everything that I could hope for, but I don't because his history says a lot. Mm -hmm. And I also need to think about where my life is going and that it's not going to be attached to his anymore and what I can do to make my life be what I want it to be. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a lot to unpack there and I cannot, I haven't been in your situation and I haven't really worked with clients who are in your situation. So I, I want to acknowledge here that this is new territory for me. I do think that we can, where I would have you start is with real clarity on your what and your why. And then to really spend time thinking about, um, why those things are, you know, really commit to your what and to your why. Give yourself total permission to want the things you want for the reasons you want them. To me, that's your starting point. Mm -hmm. And while you're doing that, you're checking in with, how do I feel about this? Do I feel, do I feel good about what I want and why I want it? With total clarity there, I think I would have you kind of advocate for yourself in that transition away from the marriage. And when I say advocate for yourself, I don't mean try to punish him or something. Right. I mean, when the two of you were in a totally committed partnership, you probably made some tangible financial sacrifices for the sake of your role in that partnership. Absolutely. And 
that comes with you not having advanced a professional career. So there's a, there's a, there's a, a measurable financial impact on you for having made the decisions you did in your committed partnership. In the dissolution of the marriage, that financial impact, in my opinion, has to be acknowledged. So alimony. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of a really great reason why that wouldn't be the case. Under what circumstances would that be inappropriate? And I'm not, again, I have very few details here and I trust you to, to know and to deal with the details. But if you made commitments to the family that came at the financial at financial expense to you, and that was part of the committed partnership, it doesn't seem necessarily right for him to be, to have benefited from those decisions that you made, but to not bear costs associated with those benefits. And I see what you're saying and I agree because I do see that on my end. He, in a recent conversation I had with him, feels the exact same way about his situation. Because he made sacrifices. Oh yeah. Like okay. his credit is totally shot. And and not just because of the last three years that we've been separated and that choice that he made, that has really impacted it. But it it started when we were together too. And he thinks that just because those things were under his name and he's the one that took the hit and now he's in this position that he shouldn't have to deal with the consequences of this most recent choice of leaving because he got all these previous hits from when we were together. So it's kind of like, Hey, I already paid my bill here. Kind of. Okay. Um, Here's the thing. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to be totally fair to a person's not, that's not physically here with us today, I have to say, okay, maybe, I don't know, but I think that your responsibility to yourself and also to your kids, if you have kids and if they're with you, Mm -hmm. um, is to advocate for the what and the why that you have that feels good and correct to you. It's not your job. I hope this doesn't sound too harsh. It's actually not your job anymore to advocate for his what and why, because he did choose to end that partnership or he chose, he chose to leave the partnership. It seems. Yeah. So I'm not trying to say lawyer up, but I'm sort of trying to say, lawyer. I mean, basically I'm saying these things are complex and there's math to be done here. And there's precedence that we can lean on. And if it were me in the situation, I would definitely be getting the counsel of an expert. Right. That's kind of similar advice I've gotten from other friends who have been through this process. And I think the thing that scares me about it, and I think he probably feels the same way because he's kind of expressed this, not only is it more expensive to go that route and we don't have the money on either end, yeah. to do that, which is why we've been separated for three years and haven't just gotten divorced already, you know? Yeah. Uh, but he, I think we're both scared of what that process will bring out and that it will turn into this nasty traditional thing. And so far we've been able to keep it non-traditional and we like that. Yeah. It doesn't ever have to be nasty, but I would, I, I would not want you to think that the only two options are either nastiness or total concession of your wants a total concession of your desires. I don't think those are the only two options. 
I think there is something healthy um, that I, I'm just not confident that I'm more confident that you could get there with the advice of an experienced expert than you having to navigate all the practicalities and technicalities and emotions associated with this whole process um, by yourself. Yeah. You get to choose who you hire as an attorney and you get to dictate to that attorney, look, here are sort of my non-negotiables. I, I do not want to end this situation with nasty resentment between me and the father of my kids. Mm-hmm. It's your attorney's job to draw those non-negotiables out of you and then advocate for those. That's a good point. Because there are those things that are more important to me than the money. You know, like I know that having a good relationship with him is what's best for my kids. And right. so that's what's important to me. Um, so uh, going with this direction of getting a lawyer, obviously I'd need to be able to afford it. And this kind of plays into my next question I had for you. Um, I'm graduating with my bachelor's in May mm-hmm. and uh, it's I, I chose a degree that doesn't really help me get a job, but it's a degree because uh, I was interested in it. And uh, with having kids and, you know, everything that's happened with COVID, it's changed my perspective of my possibilities for getting employment. Mm-hmm. And so now I have a completely different checklist of things that I'm looking for in a job. And I'm not sure how to get all those things plus have the life that I want of having time and money to be with my kids and do things with them and not just be working full time and being dependent on someone else to make my life work. So this really, this really is still the same exercise. It's the exercise of you getting totally honest with yourself about what you want and why you want it. And having done that, starting to work on the how. I am getting the impression that there are things that you would say you want and reasons you would say you want them that are hard for you to express because they seem impossible. Yeah. I, I don't let myself dream very much. Right. The, the, the thing is in your situation where you're trying to prioritize your kids and trying to make sure that they maintain a relationship with their dad is noble, in my opinion, the thing you might have to allow yourself to do is to dream a little more and then work on the how of those dreams. And that might look like asking for help from people that it hasn't occurred to you to ask help from. You know, you're, you're taking something on here, especially if especially if it ends up that your husband either won't or is not required to pay an alimony that sort of creates a a launch pad for you. Gosh, you've got to tell me if this is out of line. It might be. It puts you in a position where you're not so dissimilar from that, from like a very young unwed mother who has her priorities and her challenges 
and, and probably has to lean on people around her to help her raise her earning power to the point that she can continue to provide for the kids, you know, without being basically destitute. Yeah. And that's how I've been living for already most of my life. I mean, I grew up poor and then there were very few times in our married life where we had money. Mm -hmm. And especially the last three years, it's been month to month and, and using those other resources, getting help to pay the mortgage, things like that. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm so done living that way. And I want to do more than just survive, you know? Yeah. You can. Yeah. And, and I, I, I feel like I am a very resourceful person Mm -hmm. and I've been doing what I could. And I kind of fell into loopholes that have made my life work, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's also, you know, with the change of, of graduating and then potentially having the divorce be final at some point, there's a lot of change and, and having to adapt to that. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand needing to use resources and be dependent for our time. Um, which I kind of feel like that's already been my life for the last three years being in school. You know, I always went into this feeling like this is temporary. I just have to get through this phase. It's not going to be like this forever, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so at this point I'm trying, I want to be able to do it on my own. I would love to have a job where I can work from home. So it doesn't matter if the babysitter's sick or COVID happens again and the daycare shuts down or whatever it is that I can handle it and I can do my own and anything I get from him is bonus, you know? Right. So that's, that's the kind of thinking I love to hear from you. Um, I am not going to pretend it's going to be easy, but it may be easier than we both think. It starts with you totally acknowledging and embracing your list of, of what's and why's and then opening yourself up to the how. And, you know, you, if, I don't know if you've heard other classes, but I always think of, of personal finance projects as five-year projects. I think we can do amazing things in five years. Um, so if you point yourself in the direction of your dream scenario and say, I can, I can, I can ask for the help that will help me pursue that five-year plan, then you can have that five-year plan. Okay. Um, I've tried working backwards in a sense Mm -hmm. of thinking about what kind of a job would give me those checklist things. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, can I find something first of all that checks all those boxes? And then if, once I do, what is needed to get it? Like what kind of skills or knowledge do I need? And then focus on those. And so I have gone that route of like trying to yeah. work backwards. Um, so far, I haven't been able to find a job that checks all those boxes in order to know what it is that I need to learn. Um, you, What you're looking for is a company that works... So, you could be a freelancer of any number of 
types of freelancers. And when I say freelancer, I mean, web design, copywriting, photography, um, bookkeeping, pretty much any field you can think of has a freelance version of it. So I'd have you think about that. If, if being self-employed is not your, if you're not enthusiastic about self-employment, okay, totally fine. <laughs> what you're looking are for, you're looking for companies who have remote employees, mm-hmm. like my company, my friend's company, my, all my clients' companies, they all, we all have remote employees. Um, all of my employees are, well, one of my employees, her kids are grown, but my employees are women whose kids are young and they sort of work, they work around their their life. Yeah. So the, the jobs absolutely exist. Where I would send you for skill development is sort of anything, and this is my bias because I'm a web guy, anything web related, mm-hmm. design, uh, copywriting, project management, um, website kind of maintenance and development, um, anything. If you look at businesses like my business, are you, are you familiar with Jody Moore? Yeah. If you look at Jody, what's that? <laughs> I did her boot camp. Beautiful. I, yeah, I heard great things about her boot camp. If you look at a business like Jody Moore's business, your job is to sort of kind of from the outside pick apart that business, say, what goes on in this business that I could develop skills to do? So like Jody's in the process of hiring a project manager right now. Jody has a personal assistant. Jody works with uh, web designers and developers. She works with customer service reps in her business. All of these people work from home, wherever they are in the world, on a relatively flexible schedule. It's a, it's a matter of developing the skills that would allow you to plug into any of those jobs mm-hmm. and, um, and then develop relationships with the people who give those jobs. So for example, and when I say develop the relationships, I, at the moment, am interviewing candidates for an executive assistant job with me. I can only, I'm only hiring one executive assistant, but because I'm enthusiastic about the other applicants, I can almost guarantee that I will, that they will land with friends, colleagues, or, or clients of mine, um, in similar positions. So you can head down that similar, a similar path. I'm going to develop skills that would be well-suited to this type of business. And then I'm going to see about developing the relationships that would land me a job with those businesses. It's not a, it's not necessarily a short path, but it doesn't have to be a super long path either. It's, it's the hard one. It's the steep mountain path (laughs) because tech stuff is, I am not tech savvy whatsoever. I mean, it's, I, I know a lot of people are way better at that kind of stuff than I am. And so it's, it's taking my most weakest point and having to develop it and bank on it to getting me a job. Maybe, but I think my, my summary for you, Rachel, is acknowledge what you want, acknowledge why you want it, and then believe in your ability to create it. That the piece that's really missing here, if we peel everything else back, is belief, is, is the confidence that you have in yourself to figure out a, a, a dream solution for yourself. Yeah, totally. So work on the belief, work on the confidence. Jody Moore's a person who's great for that kind of work, um, helping you develop your confidence. Her, her, her membership thing that she does, amazing for that. Um, 
work on believing in yourself. And as you do, you're going to find it easier to deal with things like the, uh, you know, uh, an uncontentious divorce, an ideal career for you, a way to maintain your kid's quality of life, et cetera. You can do all that. You just got to start by believing you can do all of it. It's true. It's great to meet you and chat with you. You too. Thank you for taking the time. By the way, there's a bunch of stuff in the chat window that, that people are-, are <laughs> I keep are, seeing it pop up, but I haven't been able to read it. Yeah, go read it. It seems to be mostly for you and it's a lot of good stuff. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, great to meet you. Bye. Okay, folks, we are- we are winding down. Um, Meredith, your hand is up. And if you want to keep it up, I'm, I'm happy to chat because it's up. We can spend our last couple minutes together. Okay, let's talk. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Nice to meet you. Okay, nice to meet you. Um, okay, so as far as relationships... I kind of grew up with this mentality of like saving is always better than spending like save, save, save. My husband loves to spend money. And so I definitely do the budget. Um, and he doesn't really look at the budget and I mean, it's fine. Cause he is so nice to me when it comes to money. Like, he's like Oh yeah. Spend, you know, spend what you want. Doesn't really care. Yeah. But I think the hard thing for me is like, just being okay with his spending and just because he's so okay with my spending yet. I kind of like freak out with his spending. <laughs> it's not necessarily your job to be okay with the things that he's okay with. Like that's not required okay. of you as a spouse. Okay. Does that seem crazy? Kind of, but <laughs> I can kind of see where you're going. Because <laughs> well, kind of what you're telling me is he, he, he thinks and feels a certain way and I need to think and feel the same way. Yeah. And you don't. Yeah. So your, your job is actually the same as all of our jobs. It's to figure out exactly what you want and exactly why you want it. And then to openly share that with him. He sounds like a guy who's ready to hear that. Yeah. Um, you're telling me that you've kind of maybe maybe you've brought from childhood this idea that saving is already always better than spending. I wonder if you've examined it any further than that. I I have a little bit. Okay. Um, it I feel like it served me well a lot in my life, but I also feel like I I also don't love it because I feel like the boring one in our relationship, and he's the fun one, and I. I, I guess I just wish I was okay with spending more money and just okay with myself and not shaming myself with it. And so that's where I feel like it hasn't served me because I feel like I do shame myself around when I do spend money or X so much about money. So your want list, you just gave me one of the first items on your want list. I want to feel better about spending money. Yeah. That's what goes on your want list. Then you okay. get to say why you want that on your want list. And then you get to decide how to go about it. Okay. Okay. That's helpful. Cause you're right now you're kind of piling, you're, you're bringing some, um, you're bringing some negative labels to your way of being. Yeah. And if we had more time together, I would find great labels for your way of being, you know, you call yourself boring. I could call you a hundred things 
that I would mean sincerely that are not boring. So, so the work for you is what do I want? Why do I want it? When I feel ashamed of spending, why am I feeling ashamed? What, what belief is driving that feeling of shame? Do I want to work on that belief and change it? You may come out the other side as with the same basic set of habits you've always had minus the self-criticism. You may come out the other side with a totally new set of habits. I hope you'll be open to either one. Yeah. But in the meantime, as you get more and more clarity about what you want and why you want it, share it openly with him and let him be part of your process and figuring things out. Okay. Okay. I I guess I haven't thought about putting that under my want list. Right. And so, yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Great to meet you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you too. Okay, folks, we are going to, we're going to wrap up. Somebody in the chat says, but isn't it okay with wanting, isn't it okay to want to save? Yes, it is. Meredith's not doing anything wrong. It's okay for her to uh, prioritize not spending over spending. You all should know me by now that I'm great with that. What I don't want for Meredith is for her to feel bad along the way. That's what I don't want. So if she chooses to prioritize saving over spending, great. But if she feels terrible about it, not great. Okay. Folks, thanks for being with me. We're going to wrap up. I'm going to just give you the two minute sort of introduction to the idea of what we're going to do next. It's called Money School Groups. It's a 12-week experience. In that 12-week experience, uh, a new team member and I are going to be working on a curriculum that we work through over the course of those 12 weeks where we take the higher level concepts that we've talked about over the last six weeks in Money School and we actually implement them in your life. Love to have individuals participate in it. I would love to have couples participate in it. When we enroll people in it, we will probably interview you or or have you fill out a form on your way in so that we can have a sense of what your main priorities are with your finances and then group you with people whose priorities are similar. And um, it'll be great. The promise I am making with the program is if you you complete the 12-week money school experience, you will have totally recouped the money school experience by the end of 24 weeks. Meaning from day one that you start money school, 24 weeks later, money school will have paid for itself. Either because you'll have reduced debt that you wouldn't have reduced otherwise, you'll have more savings that you otherwise wouldn't have had. You may have a bump in income that you wouldn't have had without money school. Money school will pay for itself within 24 weeks of starting it. I'm asking people to pay $3,000 for the experience And I am going to do 10% of the money school enroll uh, people who attend, I'll be doing as scholarship. And what that means is basically for every 10 people that sign up for money school, I will open up a, what I'm calling a scholarship position. And that position will be sort of a pay what you can, when you can kind of situation through an application process. So um, I'm really excited about that. Somebody in the chat says 3000 per person or 3000 per couple. Yeah, it's 3000 per couple. So sort of like imagine a zoom room with 10 screens and some of those screens have two people in them. And some of those screens have one person in them. That's what we're talking about. So $3,000 per slot in that zoom room. That is the, that's the, that's the gist of money school. 
in your inbox in the next couple of days, there will be an application to be part of Money School. There will also be a scholarship application for those of you who feel like Money School could be transformative for you, but you literally don't know how to put $3,000 in my hands right now. I want to have a percentage of our participants not have to make that decision or figure that out because of where they are in their lives right now. So watch for more details. In the meantime, thank you all for participating in Money School. It's been a transformational experience in my life. The connections we've made have been a blast for me. I look forward to doing this again in the future. The Money School free version will probably reappear around August or September. I don't know whether that will look like a six-week class next time or whether it will look like a, a, a shorter-term boot camp. I don't know yet because I'm me, but it'll be something. And I'm just excited to work with whichever of you are excited to uh, spend 12 weeks together implementing what we did in Money School and have an amazing week. I will talk to you soon. See you.